Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. All right, listen, uh, how was Jesus 100% successful in his prayers? He always got results. Whatever he prayed for, it happened. How did he do it? You know, you, you never hear Jesus, you know, saying to his disciples, you know, uh, praying for someone, then nothing happens, and he says, okay, guys, let's try this again. We didn't get it right that time. Jesus always got it right. I, I'm more like this. I think, you know, I'm sort of like a Canadian hockey player. More shots on goal, more likely you're going to score, you know? If I just put lots of prayers, lots of things, something's got to stick, something's got to happen. You see, it's so different in the life of Jesus. I've been in the Gospel of Luke studying a teaching for you. And, and, and listen, like you, I don't think I'll ever have 100% success rate. But how many would like to increase your success rate? So you learn to pray from Jesus, and it just made a huge difference in the effectiveness of your prayer life. Today, we're going to do seven, seven pop-up visits. We're going to pop up right in the middle of Jesus praying, and we're going to see seven results that happened, seven results that happened as he prayed. And, um, but before we do that, let's look at the prerequisite. It's from Luke 5, all right? Here's the prerequisite. It says, but Jesus often withdrew. So it was a habit. He got away from distractions, he got alone, and he went to the wilderness. Now, the wilderness can be my favorite place to pray in northern Ontario, out in the woods for a good walk, or it can be in my um, condo second bedroom. You know what I mean? We have our place, we get alone, and, and it's for prayer. Now, I love going to Israel with groups of my church family, but I was over there enough times that I had a sort of a bucket list of things that I wanted to go and more deeply investigate if I was ever there alone. And I went on what they called the, the Jesus Trail and walked from Nazareth, as G, right down the trail that Jesus would have walked to get to Capernaum by the Sea of Galilee. And one of the things I wanted to do was just scout around the shores of the Sea of Galilee and try to find a location that Jesus actually could have prayed. Because he would withdraw into the wilderness for prayer. He, you'll see in the next verse, he will find desolate places to, to, to pray. And uh, Mark sort of um, fills this in a little bit. And he says, very early in the morning... This was Jesus' habit. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. So um, I was looking for the, a place along the Sea of Galilee, and I found myself going, because I was going on the coast, I come up right inside some denominational property and some priest or orthodox person would be kicking me out. <laughs> 
But I, I wanted, so I couldn't find it. So I thought, well, Pastor Jonathan's with me. Let's try and find a spot where Jesus prayed. Come on, man. We're right here. Sea of Galilee, Capernaum, beautiful. Jesus ministry headquarters for three years. I think we can do this. Honestly, honestly, you, you think that we can find the place. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. If there's any place to have faith, this is it, dude. Let's okay, do this. Let's go. Keith, come over here. Over here. Come here. Th this looks like it. Man, anybody can find you here. Ah, man. Pastor Jonathan, get over here. Look at this. Look at this. What about this? I don't think so, Pastor Keith. <laughs> hey, Pastor Keith. Where, where are you? Hey, right, right here. here. What about here? 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 What about here? Hey, I think it was here. Man, I, I thought that was a place. Nah, when you get more like Jesus, you'll understand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so these first disciples of Jesus were successful in finding the place. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Now think about that. <laughs> Jesus, you shouldn't be doing this. You should be doing that. What are you doing alone here praying when you've got these people that you could be helping? They're basically saying, why are you praying instead of getting something done? Think about that. Why are you praying instead of getting something done? It reminded me of a time a number of years ago. This person's not on staff now, not because of this. <laughs> but they... they uh, I, I used to, we lived up in Markham and uh, used to try and beat the traffic and come here early in the morning for prayer. And, uh, and when I, I, I did, I just would just enjoy times praying for you, the services, my own uh, prayer time with the Lord uh, right in this room. And so one day, one of the staff members came in and looked and saw me praying and they said, oh good, you're not busy. I'm glad I got you before you get into meetings. I sort of felt like saying, I thought I was in a meeting. <laughs> but what is it? We, we just sort of think that, well, if, if you're praying, that's not really what is important. It's important is, is, is being with people. Now, now, spoiler alert, by the time we go through Luke and pop up seven times into seven prayers of Jesus, we're going to come to the place where we realize, watch this, praying is the most result effective use of our time. Prayer is the most result effective way to get things done. Jesus had seven public results because of the seven times he did that prayer time alone with his father. That's what we're going to look at. Now, a lot of you have been tracking with us in the Jesus Project books. So I'm going to give you the page number, but we'll also have the scripture reference, and you'll also have some things to write down beside that reference, because we're going to go seven places popping up through the Gospel of Luke where Jesus prayed. And the first one is this, realization. That's the first result, realization. 
At page 26, you see this. One day, when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. Now, Pastor Jonathan talked about this last week. Remember the Father's approval, the heavens open, the dove representing the Holy Spirit, and the Father's words of approval, my son, whom I am well pleased. Did you catch this? It all happened as he was. It sort of seems in the background. You can almost, the words can get lost, but it was significant that this happened as he was praying, the heavens opened. Oh, I wish that would happen when I prayed. I wish every time I prayed, boom, the, the heavens would open. I'd really know God was there then. But all that's happening here is it's opened up what happens every time we pray. Because prayer is not in the visible realm. Prayer is in the invisible realm. You, you cannot see that realm. It's a realm of, you just go into by faith. Now, now, the Bible, when it talks about heaven, it talks about it at least three different ways. How many glad heaven is our eternal home? That's one way. Another way is heavens, the creation of God. But there's a third way that the Bible talks about heaven, and that is the heavenly realms. Colossians says that Jesus is Lord of the visible and the invisible, the heavenly realms. Hebrews talks about, you know, faith is the evidence of things not seen. You don't, it's the, in the invisible realm. Listen, no one's likely going to walk into church today and leave saying, when I walked into that church service, that gathering, I watched them online and I started out with 0.2 kilograms of faith. But by the time that teaching was done, I had 10 kilograms of faith. You know? Can you see the faith? Can you measure it? Oh, I've got a hundred million meters of love for Esther. Who's going to measure it? How are you going to quantify that? But, but how many know it's real? It's real. You see the results. You see the commitment. You see what comes out of it, but you don't see it. You can't see. Pastor Jonathan talked about grace. H how much grace do you have? How many quarts did you get of grace? How much peace? How do you quantify peace? These things are real, but they're all invisible. They're in the heavenly realms. Jesus knew how, the reality of that realm. The heavens were open. Heaven was right there as he prayed, as he was praying. I love what Dallas Willard says. He says, when we pray, we enter the real world. Why? Well, because how many understand the molecules, the cells, the matter that captivate our physical existence attention 24-7, so easily dominates, that matter one day, the world, the heavens, earth, they're going to pass away. But how many know the invisible realm will still be going strong? God's spirit. We're, we're spiritual beings. We'll be with him free from the physical matter, and we'll be with him in a state where we will be able to go on forever and forever. You see, that's the heavenly realms. I, I was on an airplane with a uh, young businessman, and I was talking, and of course, you get talking about faith and Jesus, and then he said, well, what do you do? And he found out I was a pastor. He said, I always wanted to ask a priest or pastor this question. He was fairly intellectual, so I was getting ready for a good question. He said, why do you Christians, when you pray, you bow down if God is up in the heaven? Profound question. 
Listen, heaven's closer than you think. You pray, it's right there. Prayer is an act of faith that opens your realization to how close heaven's resources actually are. That's what you see when Jesus prays at his baptism. Heaven's right there when we pray. Realization, second, preparation. Preparation. Page 48 in your Jesus Project book takes you to Luke 6, these verses. One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. And he prayed to God, how long? All night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Why did Jesus have to pray all night? Couldn't Father God just download the names of the 12 and give Jesus a good night's sleep? It just seemed, come on, why? Why? It looks like that it was an all-night discussion. There was more to the choosing and, and, and what would happen in the future. That They worked it through together. As we call prayer a partnership. You see that happening here. Prayer is getting to a place where you and I discover God's will. Listen, how many understand prayer is not you and me trying to get God to come over to our view. <laughs> it's us being with God long enough that we come over to his view. How many know he knows best? He knows what's right. He knows everything. So it's about us getting in alignment with his will. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When I make decisions, I don't have God's will until I'm in that place. You see Jesus out and about, as the Irish say. And he would heal and he would help. He would know just what to say. Do you know how he did it? He tells his followers, he says, I do nothing without the Father. And he said, I only see, I only do what I see the Father doing. Where did he see it? In the visible realm? No, in the invisible realm, in those heavenly realms. So I, here's something to take home. God's help is there if we'll get to a place where we can handle it. Just with God long enough that we come to a place of surrender. Not my will, but yours be done, Lord. You know, preparing. God will prepare you for whatever you're going to face. If you just take that time in his presence. You know, uh, I have uh, four grandsons, five, four, three, and two. The five-year-old and the three-year-old were uh, over having supper with us recently. And I don't know, the topic of girls came up. They're five and three. So they're okay. Talk girls. I said, you know, Papa prays for you. And when I pray for you, a lot of times I pray that God will one day give you a wonderful girlfriend that becomes a wife who loves Jesus and wants to help lots of people. They're five and three. They look at me, look at Nona. Can I have some more spaghetti, please? You know, like this. <laughs> Maybe not prepared for that, but I'm preparing. I'm preparing. When we pray, God prepares. All right? All right. Realization, preparation. What's the third result of prayer? Let's, let's pop in on when Jesus was praying in Luke 9. It's on page 76 of your Jesus Project book, okay? And it was, it's revelation. As he was praying, there it is again. Uh, 
as he was praying, where is he? He's on the mount of what we call transfiguration. He's meeting with Moses, the representative of Old Testament law, Elijah, the representative of the Old Testament prophets, and they're talking together. But it happens as he was praying. The appearance of his face was transformed, his clothes became dazzling. That's what people focus on. Peter says, oh, it's good for us to be here, Lord. Let's build some tabernacle monuments to commemorate this special event. This is so spectacular. No, no. As he was praying, this revelation happened. You see, if we look at the um, big events of Jesus' life, we'll look at the incarnation, Christmas he came. His baptism, Pastor Jonathan talked about the last week, Jesus launches out into his public ministry. Incarnation, baptism, and then we go all the way over to crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. Hold on, not so fast. His transfiguration. It was an amazing moment where God revealed more of his plan to his son. Luke tells us what Jesus was talking about with Moses and Elijah. Listen to this. It says they were talking about his departure, which he was about to fulfill in Jerusalem. They're talking about Jesus going to his crucifixion. But this was a turning point. See, the disciples had finally come to realize that Jesus was the Messiah. Remember, it's at this time where they say, who do you men say that I am? And who do you say I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. As soon as that revelation occurs, God reveals to his son more about his departure, which was to take place in Jerusalem. You see, there's a lot of people that just think that Jesus was born with full knowledge of his messianic future. You know, he's two hours old and he knows everything about the cross, the resurrection and ascension. They're the same people probably get those Christmas cards that have a halo on Jesus' head as a little baby. You know, and can you imagine Jesus, like two hours old, feeding with his mom, and then he looks up at his mom and says, Mommy, I saw you before you were born. No, no. Remember, we're with Jesus the whole year. We started with Pastor Jonathan, zero to 30. And we saw that during those years, one verse says, Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God and man, right? He grew. That means in all those four areas, not just physically, but his awareness of his mission, it all grew. It all grew over time. At the baptism, there's this wonderful revelation of his future. At his transfiguration, there's more. You know, I remember um, two very thoughtful people, you're probably uh, with us in one of the weekend services, asked me, do you remember when we had the YOLO series and uh, that um, panel with Dr. Van and Pastor Jonathan? And I used the verse that these two people asked me about. They, they were just querying, as I have many times, just why is it that Jesus said that the time of my return is not known to me, only to the Father? No man knows the hour, not even the Son, that is known only to the Father. How many understand? Watch this now, because here's the take home. Here's the take home. God often reveals information to us on a need-to-know basis. 
He doesn't, how many would love it if you got with God and he just revealed everything about your future? <laughs> you wouldn't be able to handle that. He knows when to reveal things to you. How many have ever had uh, prayed about something and you wanted it so bad, it was so clear, this is your will, God. And then uh, years go by and you're so thankful God said no. You know, you'd end up married to that anyway. So, <laughs> thank you, Lord, you said no, you know? See, how many understand God always does what's best for those who leave the choice with him? So, so go with what he reveals in his time. God often reveals information to us on a need-to-know basis. All right, realization, preparation, revelation. How many think the next one's going to end with shun? You're right. Enjoymentation. <laughs> you say, where do you see that? Page 84 in your Jesus Project book, Luke 10. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Now, hold on here. Where did he see that? Did he see it visibly? He saw it in the heavenly realms. I saw, because that's, remember, Ephesians says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers of darkness in the heavenly realms. There's bad guys out there too. <laughs> they ain't all angels, you know what I'm saying? And so he, see, he sees that in that realm. But let's go on to our main point here. At that same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a great line? Jesus filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And listen to him pray to his father now. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. Can you hear the joy that Jesus has as he's in this praise conversation with Father God? They're sharing something special of a secret that's been revealed that others are sharing. You know, I, I, have you ever had a, a time where you're witnessing to somebody and, and the Holy Spirit's there and there's just some, the conversation opens up and you just leave the conversation saying, oh Jesus, you gave me the words by your Spirit that were, were so helpful to that person and, and no one else is around. You've just got God to share that joy with. Have you ever had a conversation with a Christian? Some of you on the prayer team experience this on a regular basis. You pray with something. You sense the presence of God and God does something and there's just something of, of a joy that you leave that prayer time with. Oh God, you've answered prayer. How many have ever had one of your kids, they take a step ahead spiritually and it's like, oh Father God, this gives me so much joy and you know he's sharing that joy with you. I don't know how many times I have left a, a, one of these weekend gatherings over the years and just left and said, oh God, did you see that? You were here, you were present, you healed and you helped. And, and Easter services, people coming to Jesus, um, spirit baptism meetings, water baptism, it could be any regular weekend gathering, but God does something and you just leave with such joy. Isn't that great? I thought it was great. <laughs> Look at this. Your moments of deepest joy will be when you see the results of partnering with God. Ah, oh, you just see God at work. All right. 
Communication is number five. Communication. Page 88. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished. Now, (laughs) how many are seeing one of his disciples came to him when he was finished? At the beginning of their internship, their apprenticeship with Jesus, if they saw him praying, they're saying, hey, what are you doing praying when you should be out there with people? My goodness, have things changed. The disciples are starting to join the dots. They're starting to realize that the reason why Jesus is seeing lives transformed and people healed, the reason why Jesus can get through all those pharisaical, you know, put-downs, is because of what he does in the private. So, but they, they, look at this. As soon as he's finished praying, one of his disciples came to him and says, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to know how to do that. Forget about, Lord, why are you praying? You could be working. Now they're saying, Jesus, we know that you're able to do those amazing works because you, you pray. It's because of your, 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 your times with the Father that you're able to help people. Now, We're going to provide two resources for you this week because we don't want this teaching on prayer to be, uh, you know, you go back to the same old prayer life you had before. And so one of the ways we're going to help, did you get on your way in uh, a card that looks like this? On one side, you'll see sometimes you can get together with other people and pray. You'll also, do you remember Pastor Jonathan when he prayed, he talked about the prayer wall? What's that? How can you pray for people in your church family that are going through a tough time? You go to the prayer wall and through the website. Directions are given. How can you get your name there and get other people praying for you? The prayer wall. And then if you turn it over, you know, because when Jesus' disciples said, teach us to pray, do you know what he did? He gave them prayers. He gave them words to pray. He didn't tell them how important prayer was. They knew that. They joined the dots. They wanted to know how to do it. And so every day this week, if you're on social media, you can go... Uh, and join us there, link up, and every day there's going to be a help for your prayer life. We're going to walk you through the same prayer that Jesus did with his disciples. There'll be something there every day just to give you a boost and an extra in your prayer life. What do you pray about for Toronto, the church, and your own personal life? A lot of those are given to you there as well, because watch this now. Here's what we see here when it comes to our prayer. Your biggest successes in life will be the result of prayer successes. Are you starting to see that? See, the biggest successes we're going to have are going to be a result of prayer successes. All right. Number six, intercession. Page 162. It's Luke 22. Listen to what Jesus says. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail, so when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon. Why can't Jesus just ask and receive? Because he's interceding here. And Simon's free will has to be factored in. He's pleading. He's interceding. Jesus didn't just say ask and receive. He said seek until you find. Knock until the door is opened. You know, here's the dilemma, right? You've got people that you pray for, but you know that they have their own free will. And does it go like this? You pray for someone and they don't want God in their life, but because you pray for them, suddenly they're hungry for God. 
No, God will not just force his way into someone's life. He will not violate their free will. But watch this. When you intercede for someone, God goes to work by his Holy Spirit. He brings people across their pathway that will share the good news of Jesus with them. God does a lot of things. As a matter of fact, when I heard this story at a friend's funeral a couple of summers ago, uh, Harvey Quinn helped me build the little the cottage that I have on a little lake up in northern Ontario. And we had wonderful times together. At his funeral, his nephew told the story you're about to hear. I, I didn't know this about Harvey. Tell me about the days before he came to know Jesus. Just to give you an idea of Harvey, the weekly thing to do in the summer days was to go to McKellar, just north of Perry Sound, for the Saturday night dance, which was really the Saturday night brawl because they just fought. But anyway, that was Harvey. Um, he was quite a woman's man in his day and uh, probably had girlfriends in most ports. That was Harvey. Now, something happened that changed him so much that your dad, yeah. uh, his brother, said to you, oh, he met this city girl and she's yeah. changed him. But it wasn't the city girl that had changed him. What happened was Harvey became a believer, a Christian, and he met this Christian girl. So... He is uh, working, he's living in Aurelia, he's working in Malton, in near Toronto. So he's getting in the car. So Harvey says he turned on the radio, and for the one and only time in his life, he said he's never heard an audible voice from God, but God spoke to him and said, turn off the radio and pray. He doesn't really know much about prayer because he's a new believer, but he has this burden to pray for the family because he's found Christ and none of us are knowing Christ or following him. So he starts praying for them. And this was his daily habit. Hmm. During that drive to Toronto. Yeah, yeah. So he began to become very burdened for us, so much so that when he came to a name, he would begin to pray and intercede for us. He became an intercessor, almost self-taught, I guess you'd say, spirit-taught, pardon me. He said that he began to weep for us as he prayed. And he became so involved in the prayer time that he would never get through the list because there's a lot of us to pray for. So the next day, he would begin at the bottom, at the youngest, and pray to get to the oldest. Wow. That wow. was the beginning. Now, let's fast forward, what, about 40 years? Yeah. I remember at Harvey's homegoing service, he's with the Lord now, but you told a story about how just prior to his homegoing service funeral, you had been at a family reunion. Talk about that. So I'm at this reunion at uh, a lake called Quinn Lake, actually. They call it Quinn Lake today. We're part of the family heritage. Anyway, we were there, and I was looking around, and I became very much aware that today there are close to 100 people saved serving the Lord. And it's all traceable back to the intercessory prayer and witness of Harvey? Oh, absolutely. Now, what was that Sorry. scripture that... Harvey had that he you told me he could never say these uh, words of, from the scripture without without breaking up without getting weepy again. Psalm one twenty six verse five says, "They that sow in tears will reap in joy, and he who goes out bearing precious seed will without a doubt come back rejoicing, bringing sheaves with him." And you're one of the ones where because of the seed he planted. Oh yeah. Look at the people you're reaching now, Pastor Tom. 
Who are you interceding for? And you're wondering, man, they're not changing. How many understand that when we intercede, we, we shouldn't look at the visible realm. We should just trust God in the invisible realm and keep interceding. Look what the Lord brings about. Isn't it amazing? You know, I, I think it's on the, in the prayer room of our church. I said this years ago that every time you and I pray, something happens that otherwise would not have happened. Every time. You know, we, we want instant results, but sometimes we just keep praying. Some of you have been doing that for, for, for years, for decades. Oh, be encouraged, dear one. How many know God's using every one of those prayers? Not one gets wasted. Something happens every time you pray that otherwise would not have happened. All right, seventh, seventh time we're going to just pop up in the middle of Jesus' prayer. It's conqueration. If you're taking ESL, don't bring that word up, okay? Conqueration. It fits, though. Watch this. I mean, come on. How did Jesus get through Judas's betrayal, Peter's denial, and the rest of them just AWOL, just abandon him? That's psychologically, that's just torture. Be mistreated by those that you love and care for and they abandon you right when you need them the most. How did Jesus ever get through the physical torture of a, of a Roman whip that had pieces of metal in and the damage was done when they yanked it back for the next swing? It ripped your back apart. How did Jesus survive the pain of, of, of nails going through his hands and feet, the, the physical torture? And none of that was anything compared to what he experienced by way of torture when your sin and my sin blocked him off from Father God who he had been close to throughout eternity past. How did Jesus get, come on, let, we hear this story of the gospel, but come, let's be real here. How would Jesus ever get through that level of human torture that's worse than any human being could ever experience mentally, physically, and spiritually? Let's just move into what happened a few hours before Jesus was denied, abandoned, whipped and crucified, all right? Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives, that's Gethsemane. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. Notice how he, he, he's saying, when you pray, when you face temptation, it's going to look different. We sang about that today. When you hit that part this week, if you follow us on social media, we're going to come to that part of the, the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliverance. Isn't it interesting that when we pray, there's a preparation so that we can be successful in overcoming temptation. Isn't that amazing? All right, on to the main point here. Jesus walked away about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. He prayed more fervently. He was in such agony of spirit. Have you ever been like that? We talked about enjoymentation in prayer. But look at what Jesus went through to conquer in prayer. You see, Jesus is in misery. He's being separated from his father. But then suddenly, Jesus says to his disciples, rise. 
Let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And Jesus faces the whipping, the crucifixion, the denials, the abandonment. He faces it all. How? How many understand the victory had already been won in the place of prayer? He was able to face all of that because he'd already conquered it when he was alone with his father. What we pray about in private determines how well we do in public. Do you see that? What, we're, we're, nobody sees us. We're, we're alone. You see, but then what stops us? Because we could hear a teaching on prayer like this and then three days go by and we've defaulted right back into the old prayer life that we had. We don't take a step forward that would increase our effectiveness in prayer. Why? We need to be honest about some of the things that we're against. Our culture captivates us with the visible realm. And prayer is in the invisible realm. You, you can't see it, so it's hard to take it as seriously as what you can sense and what you can see. Another reason is we're alone. And our culture doesn't want us to be alone. We always are accessible. We're always to be alone, to be in a wilderness place uh, where, where no one can get to us to pray. You know, um, a well-known pastor, Dr. Or Pastor Francis Chan talked about his daughter going to her first year of university where the professor gave this assignment to the first year students to get alone for seven minutes and then come back and report on it. A lot of the kids couldn't do it. They couldn't be alone for seven minutes and just silent. They couldn't be silent. I'm not saying that to put anybody down. I'm just saying that's what we're up against in our culture. It makes it tough. You know what else we're up against that makes it tough? Not just it's invisible and the challenge of being alone with God and silent before him, but also uh, we're up against spiritual resistance, aren't we? You know, you've got these powers of darkness that are in an invisible realm, and they know that you'll be successful as a Christian if you pray, so they'll do everything you can to stop you from praying because they know that's where the power is. Someone said it this way, if the devil can stop a Christian from praying, the devil can stop that Christian. Because they cut off that communication with the one that gives them what they need to, to move forward. You know, I, I, every time I go up uh, to my place in the Canadian wilderness <laughs> and I pick up an axe, I remember a story I told you. I don't know how many years ago it was. Remember that some of you were around, the story about two Canadian lumberjacks who had a competition as to who could cut the most wood in one day. And, uh, you know, they, and so lumberjack number one, he takes his axe and he's a big guy and he just goes at it. He goes at it and he goes at it. And he's looking over to another place where lumberjack number two, who is his competitor. And every once in a while he hears, can't see everything, but he hears lumberjack number two. He's not chopping down any trees, doesn't hear any sound. And it just invigorates him. He thinks, man, I'll just go at this with even more energy because he's taken a break, and I'm going to work through the break. I'm going to win this competition. Guess who won the competition? Yeah, you know, because that's the only way the story will work, right? <laughs> You're a smart people. I've been around you for a while. Lumberjack number two won the competition. Lumberjack number one said, how did that ever happen? I even heard you taking breaks, and I just kept chopping. He said, well, when you thought I was taking a break... 
I was sharpening my axe. Think about that. Well, I, I thought I'd just really fasten this illustration down because I've got, I've got two axes here. Here's the expensive one. Here's the one that's uh, a carving axe made by a guy in England. And uh, if I take this axe and I... Because I, uh, here's what you do when you sharpen an axe. You take it at the end and you, you see if you've, you know, still has a burr on it, if it really, really is, 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 is sharp. And so... Okay, so not, not all that sharp. This axe here is half the price. <laughs> it's only beveled on one side. And it's not really as good of an axe as that, but, but watch this. Oh Lord, help this work. <laughs> What's the difference? Here's the part that I didn't tell you. When I was alone and you couldn't see me, when I was in a place where I was just private, away from people, guess what I did? I took this, and I took this, and I sharpened this axe. I think that's what we learn from Jesus. Every time we pop up on him and see him in prayer, He's sharpening his axe. He gets out there in public and it's so successful because of what he did when he was alone in private with his father. Do you see that? Do you see that? If you are looking for the one thing that you can do in your Christian life that would be the most important thing that would make a difference and change what matters in your future, this is it. It's prayer. This is it. Bruce Lee, martial arts movie star, he says, I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks, but I do fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. If you are looking for the one thing that you could change in your Christian future that would make more difference than anything else, it would be that you love God in the private place and you get to know his voice and you let him prepare you and reveal and you intercede, and you conquer, that will change your future more than anything else because prayer is where his kingdom breaks through, heaven comes to earth, and his will is done. Prayer is where you receive preparation for anything you're going to face and revelation for all that you need to know. Prayer is where Evil is disrupted in its tracks and you intercede and help people get back on track. Prayer conquers everything that tries to stop you from moving ahead in God and Him working in your life and through your life all the way until your faith becomes sight and the heavenly realms become visible and faith becomes sight because you see Jesus and you're in that kind of heaven forever. How many want to have that kind of effectiveness in prayer? Let's pray about it. Our Father in heaven, thank you for making heaven so close and so real to your followers. Help each one of us increase our effectiveness because of what happens in our prayer times this week and in our Christian future. Lord, prepare us, reveal to us, 
maybe share joy with you. Thank you that you'll change people's lives when we intercede for them. Lord, thank you for our alone times with you, that that's really where the action is. That's where we get the results. Open our eyes, Lord. Help us to see that without you, we can do nothing. But with you, oh, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Lord, Lord, make, make our prayer times so that the effectiveness increases because we need you there, Lord. Oh, how we need you. We confess that. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.